Hey. And welcome to this week's episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. But I don't want to be a secondary character. Yes, you do, Stephen. No, I don't. Yes, you do. I've just said I don't. Mate, you told me off air that you wanted to be. No. Nah. What, what counts is what's on air. That's true. Yeah. But not on radio, on air. Yeah, oh, you know. On cast. On cast. <laughs> Good terminology. <laughs> yeah. uh, and each week we talk about the secondary and minor characters of Seinfeld. So, uh, Stephen, usually we get a, an episode and we, you know, talk about the characters in that particular episode. Yeah, the first, first, first four episodes. <laughs> yeah, first. We've, we've uh, picked episodes mostly at random and uh, gone through the characters in each episode. Uh, this week, though, we're doing something a bit different, which will be regular. Yes. Uh, ideally, every fifth episode, we'll be doing it. Uh, our s- semi-series, I guess. Yeah. What's the deal with? Yes. So, there's, you know, there's some characters on the show where they're just so big mm. that we just can't... Like, last week, we did The Smelly Car. Yeah. There was a, a character, which we'll talk about today, that was just so big, we couldn't just talk about them, you know? We had to kind of say, you know what, let's just do an hour like our show, and yep. we'll just talk about them because they're just so big and they, they, they turn up so much in the, in the show. Yeah, there are a lot of secondary characters that deserve their own episode because they appear in a whole series or in and out of, uh, of the whole, the whole uh, TV show, like yeah. Newman, for example, mm. and today's character is the first one of those. So like Ivan said, every fifth episode, we'll be focusing on a character and uh, speaking about them specifically rather than an episode. That's right. And Stephen, so this week, uh, what's the deal with... Susan Ross. Susan Biddle. Biddle Ross. Oh. Yeah, that's her middle, that's her, uh, middle name. What, a, what an odd middle name. Susan Biddle Ross character. Yes, played by a Heidi Swedberg mm. actress. Yeah. And I think she did pretty well. Definitely. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. She, uh, she counteracted George really well. She did. Yeah, she was... Both in was, real life, yes. uh, which we'll mention a bit later. Yeah, we'll and, get into that a bit uh, later. Yeah. And also on the show. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, she counteracted George's stupidity. <laughs> and uh, she was a bit more normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was funny because, you know, when you, you got the core four of Seinfeld, mm. and then if someone tries to go into the group, they their life just gets... Well, hers, she literally lost her life. Yeah, by being amongst the core four. <laughs> yeah, so, just uh, yeah. as a as a sad result of being involved in four pretty awful human beings' lives. Literally, yeah, <laughs> yeah. literally cost her her life. Yeah, <laughs> because George is cheap. George is cheap. Yeah, Those bloody toxic envelopes. Uh, Crazy. We'll get into that a bit more too. Yeah, we sure will. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just a, a bit of a synopsis about Susan. Um. So we'll, we'll talk about for the show. We'll talk about you know Susan first up, just mm. about her. You know her character and yeah we'll, we'll give you an overview of the character in the show i guess chronologically yeah um from her first appearance and uh the major things that happen with her and to her uh you know and then going on through to her unfortunate demise <laughs> Dem- yeah demise yep yeah exactly. and uh then we'll i guess we'll get into our normal habit of uh you know filling in the gaps Yes. Uh, making up our own stuff. Yeah, yeah, so. hypothesizing. So, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. we each week we talk, you know, when we talk about the episode of the characters, and even in this case, we're talking about Susan, one mm. of the major secondaries. We want to, we, we like to go a bit hypothetical. Yeah, you know, and talk about like where she came from, why she is who she is. That's the point of the show. That is. Yeah, that's what we like to do. But before we do, I thought it would be fun to introduce a small little, uh, I guess, a new thing that hopefully becomes regular. Yes. Is uh, before we get into each episode, a bit of Seinfeld news. Ah. Even though the show ended 19 years ago, yes. 1998. Yeah. Uh, obviously, all the the cast are still involved in showbiz, and 
there's a lot of weird stuff that happens in the world that's in some you know, a lot of the to- a lot of the time relatable <laughs> yeah. to Seinfeld. Today, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, let's just talk about uh, Billy Madison. <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, yeah, no, definitely because you know Seinfeld permeates through society and it mm. still is, and there's so many fans, especially you, if you're listening. Thank you so much for listening to us. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. We're great. glad that you're still on board. Yeah. So yeah, to start off our Seinfeld news, uh, I, I don't have any bulletin music like. We'll just use that. That's Six o'clock news with Stephen and Ivan. <laughs> See you then. Just just hum the um, ABC radio or the Triple J. Well, I get sued. Just, oh, just no, rip government. off. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. We pay our taxes for them yeah, in Australia. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. I don't know. They're they're cutting their budget. They've got no money. That's yeah. fine. Actually, maybe that'll promote them to sue us. Yeah, I'll probably. Encourage them. You know, we don't have to cut any more jobs. We've sued these two idiots. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so... Sorry, Seinfeld News. Yeah, uh, so <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, at the time of recording, I believe this was two weeks ago I read this. Yeah, we're recording in late March of 2017. Indeed. Yeah. So uh, in Michigan, in America, there was a man to... Uh, over about three years, from 2012 to 2015... What he was doing was buying uh, returnable cans. Uh, sorry, unreturnable cans in his home state of Indiana. And, and they were from Indiana, these particular cans? Yeah, that's yeah. right. So I guess, yep. I think he was buying them by the pound. Oh, wow. So he was buying them in bulk, probably from recycling plants or, or you know, wherever. Yeah. Um, I don't think he was going around to, to bins and people's homes and collecting individual cans. Mm-hmm. Um, he was printing fake barcodes on these cans. What? And really? he would drive to Michigan regularly... Uh, and return them and uh, like I said that lasted three years and he was caught not because of uh, you know the the, the cops or or whatever picking up on his habit or monitoring him Mm. someone tipped them off I don't know who whether it was someone who was in on the scam and had a falling out or whatever I don't know Newman I reckon Newman could would Pro- run out on people. Probably, like yeah. yeah. Probably whoever the actor is that plays Newman, I can't recall his name. Wayne Knight. That's right. He, and he um, was also in Jurassic Park. He was. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes. You didn't see the magic word. The first ever gif. The first ever <laughs> gif. That's it. 94. 92. He, 92? Yeah. Jurassic Park. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're getting old. Yep. Uh, yeah, so he was caught and uh, he was ordered to pay... $400,000 in restitution. So what? that to me tells me that he collected over a three-year period about four hundred grand oh. uh, in 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 uh, returning cans. Oh, and wow. he would... I mean, it would take a lot of time and probably effort, but the return's pretty good. I mean, yeah. not many jobs would pay four hundred grand over three years. I don't think so. No. No, no. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty funny. And obviously that relates to the episode where uh, Kramer and uh, Newman, they go around... Well... Kramer's always had a dream, or he's always tried to get the plan off the off the ground of returning cans from I think collecting cans in New York and actually driving to Michigan. Yeah, that's right. So they right. must have done their research for the show when it was written. <laughs> you know, Michigan must have really generous return rates or something. Yeah, well, that's like that's like in Australia. Um, so you've got the states of South Australia and the Northern Territory where mm. you can hand back the cans and, you, and the bottles and you get ten cents. That's you know right. how you see those in the bottles. If yeah. You're from, if you're from Australia, you'd understand yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah. 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 You always feel ripped off if you're on the East Coast. You're like, bloody South Australians. I know. Yeah. You want to drive to Adelaide and uh, drop some cans off? Or? No. Nah. No, no. Only if I get a mail truck for free on Mother's Day, uh, if it's worth my while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so not? in that episode, uh, Newman and uh, Kramer, they... It's the bottle deposit. That's right. And it's a two-parter. 
Yes, it, it goes is. for two over yeah. two episodes. Yeah. Yep. Mm. And uh, they devise a plan, and they finally figure out a way to make it financially viable to load up a mail truck that uh, Newman has for the weekend mm-hmm. and drive to Michigan and, and return the cans. But obviously, their plans don't <laughs> work out as they intended. As they never do. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we'll probably cover that episode at one point. It's pretty good. Yeah, for sure. Like yeah. a two-part podcast yeah. or something. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, so that was that was pretty funny to read, that this guy actually kind of did it really well. And, uh, but he, he got caught, as yeah. most people do. And he owes 400 grand. Yeah, I don't know. He's probably still paying that off. <laughs> I'd, I'd love if he was still driving to Michigan to collect money to pay off the fine. Ah, poor bugger. <laughs> poor bugger. Yeah. yeah. And uh, another thing that I found was that um, Jerry Seinfeld has just been announced to produce a new stage show. It's called Letters from a Nut. Oh, yeah. I read about this. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, based on a bunch of prank letters written by a guy named Barry Marta. And throughout the 90s, he was just kind of a prankster. He wrote just funny and ridiculous letters to executives. From NBC, yeah? No, 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 no. He'd just write to executives at all sorts of corporations. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. He'd just write, you know, it would be written in the style of like a a feedback letter or, you know, this this was my experience at your store or whatever. Mm. But it would just be entertaining and funny just purely for... For entertainment's sake. Um, <laughs> Just for, uh, yeah, yeah, shits and giggles. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, and uh, he collated it in a book, and it became a bestseller in 1997. And I, he must have been mates with, with Seinfeld, because Jerry actually wrote the introduction to that book. Yeah, yeah. And now, 20 years later, it's being turned into a stage show. There you go. I have to go see it. Yeah, Jerry's the producers. So, uh, the producers. The producer. <laughs> do you reckon he'll do like a stand-up comedy bit at the start? He'll Maybe. come out and be like, what's the deal with plays? What's um, the deal yeah. with, uh, you know, funny letters? Yeah. They're not that funny yeah. or something. I don't know. Hopefully you get, you he get your pen, you get your paper, and yeah. then you write stuff on it and you send it. Uh, shut up, Jerry. <laughs> no, Jerry's cool, man. Yeah, no, no, I like Jerry. Just the namesake of the whole show. Yeah. That's why we're doing the podcast. I should, I should be easier on him, but, you know, I just don't like his stand-up comedy. I, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so that's it for sort of Seinfeld news. And if there's enough uh, stuff happening in the world regularly, we'll um, we'll bring you you know a weekly edition of Seinfeld news. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. so keep up to date. Yeah. yeah, and if you have any Seinfeld news, uh, let us know too. Yeah, get in touch with us through social media or email. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so I guess on to today's episode. That's right. As we've said, Susan Ross. Susan Ross. Yes, as uh, part one of our or our very first special episode i guess you'd call it what's, what's the, the deal, deal with, with susan, susan ross? ross yes and every fifth episode we're going to have a different major secondary character a character which is so big and so impactful that you need a separate episode just for them yeah you can't really uh, fit them into a, a podcast about an episode they deserve their own yes and susan is a uh, Straight off the bat. Indeed. Yes. So Susan Ross. Now, she was an executive at NBC, first appearing in the season four episode, The Pitch, Hmm. uh, where Jerry, I think it's episode three? Yeah. Yeah. Three and four. It's a two-parter. Oh, it's a two-parter, yes. Uh, Where Jerry is approached by NBC to discuss a possible TV pilot Hmm. with them. Uh, Susan begins to date George, and after mishaps, including her father's cabin being burnt down by Kramer, uh, his uh, <laughs> Cuban cigars, which is just the most ironic thing. I know. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> I love how Kramer still tries to scam cigars after uh, he burns the cabin down. Yeah. I can't remember which episode he, it is. He goes it's to the season. Cuban, he goes to the Cuban right. embassy. That's right. And they pull right. out like the yeah. fat cigars and he's like, oh, you, you mean these? And Kramer's, he's like a lapdog. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. But I just love the, the fact that he tries to get George to ask for more cigars because I think he uses them as currency to play at some elite golf course. Yeah. And then, because he has no cigars because he lost them in the fire. <laughs> 
he asked George to get some more of uh, Susan's dad. Just the fact that he's so unaware of what he's done and the, I guess, the significance of it, and that it would be in some way appropriate to ask for more cigars. Yeah, I just, I just find that hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> he's just, yeah, no tact. No, no not, tact. Exactly, not yeah. at all. And uh, other, other, more well, another mishap uh, from Susan. He found out that. Or she found out, rather, that her father had an affair with uh, the writer John Shiva, mm. the American writer. Yeah, which is sort of a major plot point or the major plot point in uh, the Shiva Letters, which yes. is a great episode too. Which is a very good episode, yeah. yeah. That was after the, um, was it the Bubble Boy? No, the Bubble Boy is when the cabin got burnt down. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Yes, I think it was before the Bubble Boy. No, it was no, no, the Bubble Boy. Oh, yeah. It was Obviously, the Bubble yeah. Boy, yeah, duh, duh, that's duh. it. Yeah, so Kramer Kramer goes up with uh, the Elmer Fun laughing girlfriend. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Remember her? Yeah. yeah. Sounds like Peter like, Griffin. That's right. Yeah, yeah. he does. She, she does. does. <laughs> <laughs> she? He? <laughs> um, the looks it. on his face when she's laughing in the car yeah. when Kramer's making no, a joke. He loves it. Yeah. He's like, I don't care. That's right. Who who makes the funny face when she laughs? Oh, like Jerry. someone. That's right. When she laughs the first time. Does she work with Elaine? Uh, no, no. There's There's a scene where he makes a joke. And she walks off laughing and he just sort of does a double take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't remember, but yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. And also, George gets Susan fired because he kisses her while she's at work. That's right. And Susan leaves George for the moment. Yes. Um, they briefly get back together in the pick where uh, Jerry picks his nose. Mm-hmm. And he's, it's only it's only a scratch. It's on the outside. It's on the outside. And But George didn't wish to have a relationship with Susan at this point. Mm. So he picked his nose to make Susan dump him in the pick. <laughs> Yeah, and in the smelly car, so that's the episode we did last week. Yeah. Uh, Susan runs into George in a video store, and she's he finds that she's in a lesbian relationship with Mona. Mm. Uh, later on in the episode, Susan breaks up with her girlfriend after Mona is seduced by Kramer. Yeah. Uh, after Jerry's TV pilot fails and there's a change in NBC management, like the main guy falls mm. in love with Elaine and joins goes Greenpeace. off and joins Greenpeace. That's it. You know, and then the new manager doesn't like the concept because, you know, the previous NBC executive was like a champion of the show, yep. loved it, the concept, and wanted to try and get in Elaine's pants yeah. as well. Yeah. So Probably her cleavage. Oh, her cleavage, yeah. yeah. Her cleavage, yes. Exactly. I don't know. Is I can't remember exactly, but is it ever implied or talked about that they've actually slept together? Or is it he's just... I know they've gone on a date or two. Oh, Elaine and... and Dal- Dalrymple? That's right. his name is? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Do they... I don't know. I do don't they ever actually they hook up or... I think he tries to seduce Elaine, but Elaine's yeah. like, no, nah, never. Yeah, but it's it's beyond seduction. It's desperation. Desperation, yeah. yeah. Even he... Yeah, he even quits his high-flying executive job and yeah. goes to Greenpeace. And he dies at Yeah, sea. he drowns. It's, it's really dark. I know, it's very dark. <laughs> Maybe we might, we might do a what's the deal with him one day. Yeah. Maybe. I just realised that there's so much... Uh, like tragic death linked to NBC and I know, Susan. Like I her boss dies. Yeah. She dies. <laughs> She's obviously a some sort of uh, token of bad luck. Yeah, it's something. She's cursed or something. Uh, Susan, oh, gee, with her privileged <laughs> life, which we'll talk about a bit later, yeah. I don't think that she's uh, a curse. It's, yeah, that's true. No, I think she's just one of the ones, one of the innocent, pure people who just fell into the trap mm. of the core four in Seinfeld. Collateral damage. Collateral damage, yeah. yeah. Like whenever you go into that zone, that's it. Yeah, Your life there's changes. no returning. No, that's it. It's the Bermuda Triangle. I could quite happen to Lloyd Braun. That's true. He was a high-flying assistant. Was assistant to the. He was an advisor to the mayor. To the president, the mayor, yeah, yeah, and then, mayor of New York, and then he has a breakdown and he yeah. sells computers for. Yeah, outside of George's, George's dad. dad's, yeah, Frank's in, in garage. garage. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> made another sale. Ding ding. Yeah, ding ding. <laughs> awesome. Good episode. Yeah, that is. Serenity now is it? Uh, now? Yeah, that is Serenity, Serenity now. now. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's a yep. good one. A season nine, season eight. Yeah. Season eight or nine. Season yeah. eight. Yeah. Yep. Cool. And after that, Susan loses her job after being kissed by George and leaves George's life. Uh, we see. 
Susan again in the season seven premiere, The Engagement, yeah. where uh, George proposes to her. Yeah, he considers, I guess, his life. Yes, because George and Jerry have uh, have a like a conversation in the coffee shop, and after mm. the usual banter, Jerry's like, wait a minute, what is this? Yeah, he just we're, sort of pulls them up on their own. Yeah. Just he just has an epiphany. Yeah, it's like we're we're not men. No, that's yeah. it. That's you know, it. We don't. Yeah, they they figure that to be men or to be normal humans, they need to get married and have yeah, kids. And, that's it. Yeah, have the uh, the, I guess the the conventional life. Yeah, exactly. Which is more like try and strive for at the time, and yeah, then, doesn't last know. very long. <laughs> doesn't, yeah, doesn't. And when George gets it, or when he takes his first step onto that path, he, he regrets it. it he regrets it like immediately. <laughs> yeah. and George. he does everything he can George. to get out of it. Yeah, yeah. Jerry's like, "You watching the ball game? The Mets killed it." George, recorded mad about you. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, I gotta go. Uh. Yeah, poor guy. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> so um, yeah, so George proposes to her in the engagement. Uh, George straight away decides to renege on the engagement mm-hmm. and tries to get out of it however he can with no success. That can include asking Susan to sign a prenup in the invitations. Yep. Uh, trying to get with Marissa to May. Yeah, I'll capacity. sign a prenup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just love her. Just you know, she doesn't. I, she's not phased at all. I earn more than you. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, give me the papers. I'll sign it. Give me the papers. I'll yeah. sign them. Yeah. Yeah. It. And he's devastated when he finds out that uh, Marissa Tomei is into short, stocky, bald men. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he tries to hook up with her, but she's uh, pretty repulsed. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's great. I know. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, and after the engagement, he so he tries. For, Virtually throughout the whole of season seven, tries to get out of the relationship. Yeah. He tries everything he can. I think there's at least one thing he tries in every episode where they're both in it. Yeah. He, you know, he's he, he gets an idea and he tries to, to use that to, to get out. Well, he first tries to postpone the wedding mm-hmm. and then he postpones it. I think eventually they succumb and they postpone it mm. um, to like Easter or something. Yep. And then, yeah, in season seven, Susan dies in yeah. invitations uh, by poisoning... By poisoning after licking too many cheap envelopes that George bought for the wedding invitations. Yeah, suddenly and, as well. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a great little visual gag how that sort of whole scenario was set up where they go to I guess the invitation shop or whatever, <laughs> and it's like the most expensive ones are at the front, and he goes straight to the back. <laughs> yeah. and he doesn't flip through them. Eventually, getting to no, the cheaper ones, bang. he just sort of takes the book off her. And just flips right to the back, and there's a loud thud. And George, uh, I guess at that point, Susan is mm. is used to George. You know, she's marrying him, so it it doesn't really bother her. Well, you know, how you go to a bakery, and you you know, you, there's like the whole book of cakes. Yeah, you know, and yep. like the cheaper ones, I think at the front, and then mm. the expensive ones. Like you might look at the front, you mm-hmm. might look at the back, yeah, or you might say that the cheap ones are at the back. Yeah, you'll just yeah, oh, I'd do that. I yep. go straight to George. Yeah, you know, like George. Yeah, cheap cakes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, okay. money's tight. Yeah, true, <laughs> true. Yeah. So Mate, yeah. if money's tight, you should be buying, you know, buying rice and soy sauce, not not cakes. Yeah, exactly. Get your priorities straight. Or junior mints. Or, or junior mints. Whatever. whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice schnapple. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how that's Susan virtually. So she's in it from the start of season four. You know, pretty much all of season four. Yep. I think start at the end of season six. Uh, no, 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 no. She only reappears at the start in of season, season seven. seven. Yep. Oh, because off screen, George and Susan run into each other. It's, it's mentioned off screen. Uh, okay, I don't recall that. Bit, yeah, yeah, but yeah. And yeah. then she she's in pretty much every episode of season, season seven, seven yes. at least every major episode. Yeah, and, and then, then she dies at the end of season she seven. She does. And then there's an episode where Elaine and Susan try to become friends. That's right. Yeah, and yeah. then she's don't like, they go to an art gallery or yeah, an art show or something? Something like that. And then you know, she's it's like instead of the core four, it's the core five. 
you know, at yeah. one stage, and then George the other, is very annoyed. Yeah, they yeah. they don't really know how to deal with the, the idea of a fifth person. Yeah, and George doesn't like his worlds worlds colliding. He'd rather a square than a pentagon. Yeah, he'd, independent George and uh, relationship, relationship George. George. Yeah, yeah. That's it. This is independent George. This is independent George. Coffee shop George. <laughs> Movies George. <laughs> the summer of George. <laughs> yeah, I like different George versions. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Susan was played by Heidi Swedberg. That's right. Yes. Um, over her acting career, she kind of looking at her her credits. Um, Seinfeld was kind of her last big big role, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Um, in the last 10 years or so, she's, uh, she's appeared sporadically in movies and TV shows. But her, it looks like her acting career kind of wound down, um, whether intentional or not. I don't know. But um, before that, she appeared in Matlock. Yeah. Um, Kindergarten and, Cop. That's right. Hot Shots. I try to find out who she played in Kindergarten Cop. And apparently it's just a cameo in the background. She was probably one of the, one of the mother's parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah she played Mary Thompson in Hot Shots, in Hot which Shots, yeah. was the highlight of her film career as far as I'm concerned yeah exactly well Hot Shots is, um, is okay Hot Shots 2 is is just perfect oh it's good uh, perfect <laughs> yeah perfect um, you know movie that just takes the piss out of stuff because you said last week that you loved those 80s and 90s like shtick yeah. kind of action yeah. shows yeah. and yeah. movies and stuff exactly. so yeah, yeah. this Hot would be right up your alley yeah Hot, Hot Shots 2 my friends and I it, it supplies even 20 years later supplies <laughs> Well, 25 years later, wow. Supplies many, many, many laughs. So yeah. good. Topper Harley. What a guy. Nice. Hero. <laughs> Topper Harley. <laughs> and look where he is now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what goes up must come down. Oh. And it came down. Oh. Literally. Literally <laughs> yeah. and metaphorically in some yeah. cases, right? <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. I'm getting Ooh, sweaty. It's delicious. And, uh, I'm getting sweaty. Yes. Now, she's been in other roles. She was in Becca for an episode. Oh, yeah. uh, without a Trace, Bones in a couple uh, Northern Exposure? Way. Yeah, Northern Exposure. That was yeah. a great show. And yeah. also Touched by an Angel, which I never watched. Yeah, I never watched that either. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, most importantly, she was in Hot Shots. Yes, let's, she was. Let's just, you know, confirm that. Yeah. Everything else is second to Hot Shots. Yes. And she was born... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you love Hot Shots. Watch Hot Shots after this. Yeah, after this is done. just going to turn into a Hot Shots podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. How many episodes do you reckon we could go through? I don't know. I could I just analyze scene by scene. That's I could, one I could get a lot out of it. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That would be very, very niche. Yeah. I probably very boring. Yeah, probably. Whatever. If we get listeners out of it, I'd be impressed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh, and uh, Heidi, she was born on March 3rd, 1966 in Honolulu in Hawaii. Yeah. yeah. That was uh, interesting, yeah. I thought. Yeah. So after a film career, she seems to have gotten more, uh, I guess, involved or spent more time uh, getting involved in folk music and yes. she plays in uh, well she plays solo and with a band and her instrument of choice seems to be the ukulele yeah and she took up the ukulele when she was uh, a child I believe mm. or a teenager okay yeah she took it up yeah she's um she's she's really great at it um, yeah she's w- very good she even teaches people at ukulele festivals yeah right actually yeah I read that her and her band actually they have like workshops okay and there's ukulele festivals and she'll help uh, she'll help you learn it do you think she gets a lot of annoying Seinfeld questions it's like, know. we're here to talk about ukuleles, not Seinfeld. But in Seinfeld episode, you know, eight of season four, when Susan did this, yeah. what happened? You know, yeah, yeah, I'd, know. I'd probably do that. Yeah. It's like, are you here to learn ukulele? No, no, I'm just here to talk about talk about Seinfeld. And she just walks off the stage. Probably. She's like, well, I think these days... Throws her ukulele down yeah. in like a rock star tantrum and walks yeah. off stage. Oh, bang. Yeah. But how underwhelming would that be? It's like, uh, it's like- no... No. I, I'm sure she gets it a lot, but, you know, you, you, when she was Susan, she looked like, like you know, first-class yuppie. 
You know yeah. what I mean? She was like very professional. Like well, she was a yuppie in the show. But now you look at her these days with her folk band, she she just looks like a hippie. Yeah, she oh. looks like a middle-aged art teacher. A middle-aged art teacher, she does. Yeah. 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 That's right, she doesn't have like a moon-shaped glasses or... Probably. You know, anything, her piece, her piece symbol around her neck. Yeah, all the interviews I watched with her on YouTube, she's... She looks like she's just come from a yoga yoga session. She's always relaxed and calm, and which is lovely. She seems like a very pleasant human being. She is. And uh, yeah, I'm sure she is. But I watched um, her perform a song on ukulele. It was called The Owl and the Pussycat. I saw that too. Yeah. That was very cutesy. I think so. Yeah, it's very like quirky, like fun, pop, folk, whatever. I don't know. Um, not really my my jam, but you know, very good at an instrument and and interesting. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I found that interesting too. Yeah, yeah, I think she performed. It was for a radio station. I'm pretty sure, mm-hmm. like a live performance. Yeah, it was. Um, it wasn't it a duo, like a duet? Yeah, that's else? right. Actually, yeah, yeah, it was with a guy. I think. Yeah, and yeah. And they both. I I don't. I'm not sure if he sang or if he just sort of accompanied her on ukulele. Um, I'm just thinking now, actually, ukulele kind of makes sense coming coming from Hawaii. Yeah, because the ukulele has it's a lot like of the um, main instrument. Yeah, and it has a lot of a lot of um, I guess you know links or or um, relevance to modern Polynesian culture. I have a ukulele right here. Really? Do you want to play us a song? Did uh, you Did you happen to learn the Alan the Pussycat from the no, podcast? Oh, geez, maybe. Oh, hey, come I, a bit more prepared, Ivan. Come I, on. I might play a couple of couple of chords. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. while he uh, unzips his ukulele, <laughs> I'll um. <laughs> yeah, that's I'll... what you call it—a ukulele. <laughs> oh. No, no, it's my actual ukulele. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't freak uh, out, listeners. Don't freak if all out. of a sudden I walk out, you know what's going on. <laughs> it sounds a bit out of tune. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit out of tune. Yeah, we'll, bit just, out of tune. we'll just edit that part out. <laughs> no, we'll keep it in. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. Keep it in. I know, I know. I'm just teasing you. But maybe, so, hey, maybe, maybe one day we can have Heidi here. Yeah. Like, if we can get Heidi, if she's in Australia one day, she can maybe teach us can how to do ukulele. Maybe, yeah, I think that would be a good idea, given what you just played. Yeah, I think, well, need, I need to say, <laughs> Heidi, how do you tune this freaking <laughs> That's That's step one. Yeah. 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 How do, you, how do you pronounce ukulele? 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 Yeah, I don't know. So, uh... <laughs> it's funny how I had the ukulele like, right on my feet. <laughs> just, and that wasn't planned. No, that's no, been no. here every time we've recorded. I know. It's yeah. right here. Yeah. It's just perfect. So, there's some sort of, I don't know... <laughs> Kismet involved in that. I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that's kind of a summary of Heidi as a, as an actress yeah. and as a person. And as um, a person. One, yeah. One more thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll say one more thing, and then we'll go to like a quick break. Yeah. Um, in an interview on Howard's the Howard Stern show in 2015. Mm. So you might have heard, you know, a couple of years ago that you might have thought that like Jason Alexander, who plays George, might have you know hated Heidi Swedberg, you know. You hate it on her and stuff. It's actually not the case. So what happened was in 2015, Jason Alexander, uh, he revealed that Susan was killed off at the end of season seven because she was impossible to work with. That's right. She do- he, he said that she was a wonderful person, you know, on set. You know, she was great. And she always she said she always asked for tips. You mm-hmm. know, she always asked him and Jerry and Michael Richards, Julia, you know, Louis. Yeah, Dreyfus. so she wanted to do yeah, the, she, the character justice. The character justice, justice and getting some, you know, obviously because the others, well, not Jerry as much, but the others were like seasoned actors. Yeah. Like very good at what they did. So yeah. they knew how Especially it comedy actors. Comedy I don't think actors. she really came from a comedy background. No, and that was the thing, the thing that Jason Alexander said because she didn't have that comedy experience. It was hard to kind of bounce off her. Yeah, to gel with her. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and while he said that Heidi herself was good, uh, he says that himself and other actors had trouble uh, sharing scenes with her. And uh, one day, the core four after they wrapped up an episode and Larry David they'd usually go for dinner after they wrapped an episode like the next day or that night and what happened was allegedly Alexander was talking to Julia Louis Dreyfus and Julia said 
um, off, you know, well, don't you just want to kill her, as in Susan? Yep. You know, like not Heidi. Yep. Kill Susan. Yep. And Larry David overheard and exclaimed, kabang. Yep. Yeah, he thought, that's it. Let's it's kill her, her off. Her character's it's done. And then she died Problem off solved. in the... Yeah, and then she died off in just the stupidest, stupidest oh, way. I mean, it's great. Yeah. I mean, that scene at the hospital is just... We'll talk about it a bit more, but... Uh, it's so Shakespearean. It's Shakespearean, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Not quite. Yeah. No, no, I know what you mean. It's very because George, tragic and yeah, dramatic. tragic. Because George is pining to get out of the relationship, and mm. he would not have thought for one second, oh, I want her dead. No. I don't think he wants... Like, he's a heartless man, but I don't yeah. think he's that cold yeah he's, he's so manipulative but he that he's want... like i wanted to die yeah you know he's too much of a wuss yeah he's a wuss too yeah um yeah but then you know when she dies and george when the doctor you know tells in the invitations the doctor tells george that susan's dead yeah he's just like i don't know it's just like his head at first you think he's numb or yeah, just in numb. shock but yeah. he's kind of uh, he, it's like when you hear good news and it takes a bit to sink in yeah and then a, a wave of relief or you know gratitude or whatever washes over you initially you think okay he's in shock he's just lost his fiance he must be devastated yeah but then what 30 seconds he, he lets the other three know and they're like so you want to go get a coffee, you get a coffee? Yeah. yeah exactly just yeah um is that his way of dealing like with trauma <laughs> with grieving i don't no, know I don't, not. yeah that 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 implies that he has the capacity to feel normal human emotions <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he does no, so I yeah, so. yeah empathy is so. not in his emotional uh, toolkit exactly <laughs> no it definitely isn't no so there yeah, that's uh that's just a little little trivia thing about heidi swedberg and, yeah uh, straight uh, after this oh sorry uh no i was going to say just adding to that apparently yep. the uh what uh, Alexander's comments were sort of misconstrued or misinterpreted. They were a lot of people like flamed on, you know, flamed and said, "Why do you hate Heidi? You hate yeah. Heidi Swedberg? Yeah, you know? and I think that created the idea that she was this total asshole and that she was just a horrible person. Which she wasn't. Jason Alexander clearly like that's what it was construed. Yeah. In the interview. Yeah. Yeah. But then, and I can understand yeah. that coming from Howard's Howard Stern. Like I don't know if you've ever heard any interviews with him, but he likes. You know, poking the beehive, so yeah, to speak, and asking sort of yeah, I've heard, I've heard controversial stuff. questions yeah. and stuff. Yeah, um, and it may have been edited or produced in a way to to you know be a bit more inflammatory than yep. it was. Um, yeah. So, and ever since then, you know, in interviews and stuff, I think with Alexander, if that's brought up, he kind of has to clarify his comments and say, no, no, all I meant was that you know her as a as an actress and her character was a bit out of place. Yes. You know, she was great. She was fine. There was no personal issues. Um, you know, so I guess it just goes to show that you make a comment and then you're sort of paying for it yeah. in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a lot of ways years and, down the line. Yeah, and I liked how Jason, like, was really quick, like, with his rebuttal and, like, his statement, you know, yeah. like, straight off the bat. He said, no, no, this is what I meant. Yeah, I exactly. I I, yeah, I think you did the right thing there. It's good, yeah. And you're listening to But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. Oh, that sounded a bit <laughs> different. <laughs> just trying different things. Why not? Yes. Stay with us because we're going to be talking about Susan Ross. After the break. Do. So, welcome back to I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. Man, we've said that so many times. Yeah. <laughs> we're pretty on point now. Yeah, it never gets old. Yeah, so we're, we, we've just sort of covered uh, Susan as, as a character and her, her time in Seinfeld. And a bit about the actress Heidi Swedberg before we go into our normal hypotheses around uh, around S- Susan. Susan, yes. Um, we probably thought it was worth a mention of her family in the episode as well. Yeah, we can just touch on them because obviously they they come up, you know, a bit 
during the season, and especially uh, Susan's parents. Yeah, they, they're more prominent in season eight. Yeah, they're actually. Death. Yeah, they actually come. They, they become actually, major secondary characters. Definitely. For yeah. A bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So um, she, I guess, in order of appearance, she has a brother who I think his name's Ricky. That's correct. He that was in season four. That was the Cheever letters. It was. In the Cheever letters. Just before they, uh, she she has the, the box of letters delivered by, yeah. by the doorman at their building. That's it. Yeah, and he's he's a pretty grouchy little obnoxious person. Uh, yeah, um, he is. Yeah, and he's I think he's home for college. Yep. From college. From, yes. Uh, for that episode. Yes. He She's got an aunt who's, who's in a wheelchair. wheelchair yeah. yep. She's a bit obnoxious too. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she gets treated pretty harshly. She kind of gets turned away. It's like, <laughs> you're not welcome. Face the wall. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Pretty rough. That is pretty rough. <laughs> that's mean. You know, as if she's not having a hard time day to day, it's like you're discluded from this conversation. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, obviously her parents, as we've mentioned. Yes. Uh, and f- one thing about her parents, before we do get into them, mm. um, th- so the mother and father, they're both in Twin Peaks. The they actor are. and actress, yeah. So the mother play I forgot her name, but she plays Laura Palmer's mother. So Laura Palmer's the main, the girl who gets killed in yep. Twin Peaks. And the father plays Donna's dad. So Donna was uh, the character played by Lara Flynn Boyle. Yeah. So she was the girl who was with that rebel guy. Okay. Yeah, that rebel outsider kind of guy. Long time. Yeah, yeah. I forgot his name. Yeah. But yeah, they're both in in Twin Peaks. Isn't yeah. that crazy? It is. And the actual dad, he actually passed away last month. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't. Oh, I read that. that. I read that. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I should, I'll, have, in, I'll I should have included that in my news. Yeah, no, that was that was a good month ago. Yeah, okay. I, I read. I'll double check his name. Twin yeah. Peaks. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Susan's parents uh, they're probably not happy as a as a married couple. No, they seem pretty, uh, you know, bitter at each other. Um, where that comes from, we don't know. We'll probably explore them in a bit more detail in a future episode. Um, yeah. Yeah, but. Susan comes from a pretty wealthy background. You can definitely see that. She's very... She's obviously comes from privilege. Yeah. So... Yeah. And I mean, yeah. that's sort of confirmed more or less after uh, after she dies and the, the, the foundation, the Susan Ross Foundation is set up. Mm. And uh, George is quizzing the lawyer about, um, you know, I guess the wealth and how much foundation the money has been endowed with. Yeah. And the lawyer kind of goes through what George was standing to inherit Hence, oh, sorry, you know, assuming that, well, if she'd lived yeah. and then, you know, she was to receive uh, her, her her estate. Yes. Um, well, their estate. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's, he's sort of, he's, he's very disappointed yeah, about what jo- he won't receive. And George, and George thinks in that episode, he thinks that the lawyer thinks that he killed Susan. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He's always trying to prove or like, you know. He thinks he's, he's yeah, very yeah, inquisitive. Yeah yeah. 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 Typical paranoid George. Paranoid George. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. But, um. I don't think she has any other family, none, none on screen that I recall. No, none I can think of. Yeah, no. not important anyway. But yeah, I, I think the first entry point for our our, our stuff that we're going to talk about is the fact that she's wealthy. Yeah, I think she that's is. A, that's a pretty major plot point. Yeah, went to private school or college, whatever they call it in the yeah. United States. Yeah, I you know, always grew up with a silver spoon. Oh, by the way, the um the dad, so oh, yeah. his dad, his name is Warren Frost. Okay. Yeah, so he uh, he died uh, right. last month. Okay. February. Yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Warren. R.I.P. Warren. Very memorable. Warren Frost. Indeed. Um, yeah, just thinking about her wealthy background, I have the feeling that she probably went to an elite prep school in yeah. America. Oh, yeah. Um, and then probably onto an Ivy League college. Okay. Yeah. yeah so w- so not, not like a couple of rungs under, you reckon? No, so I, maybe- reckon, I reckon she comes from true upper class privilege. Okay. I mean, yep. they have, a, they have a, a townhouse in Manhattan, which would be worth, even in the early 90s, millions and millions of dollars. Mm. Um, you know, and 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 you know, they were they were 
going to inherit vast amounts of wealth and property. So, you know, multi-multi-millionaires, I would say. And then George had his fake house in the Hamptons. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That he takes them to. (laughs) And they know. They probably got two or three houses in the Hamptons and they they know what's up. They're not stupid. I I love them because they're in the finale. We always bring up the finale in every episode. Well, that's probably, that's huge. It is. Well, Susan's parents are in it. And then he, they find out that George was relieved when Susan died, and yep. she died by licking the envelopes. <laughs> and their reaction is just priceless. Yeah, they're just gutted. Yeah, and they're, they're so just, angry. Yeah, and yeah. they they're obviously highly resentful of George, and they want to punish him. So they make him the head of the foundation, so that they can kind of still have a control over his life. Over his life, yeah. Yeah, and then in the final final episode, uh, they appear at court, mm. and the, well, the doctor testifies. That's right. Yeah, to give saying how calm of, he was. Yeah, yeah and just yeah. how how much he didn't care yeah exactly and uh, I think I'm pretty sure Susan's mother stands up and yells something at George like you killed her or oh, something, something like, like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah, that's yeah. It, that's so it, yeah. they've obviously got a lot of unresolved pain oh as you would as you would yeah, yeah. especially having a son-in-law like George yeah who oh, killed wow. your daughter well, well indirectly uh, indirectly yeah was res- was yeah well he had no intent no 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 that's true it's yeah manslaughter no I don't know yeah I, indirect manslaughter involuntary manslaughter I don't know I don't know whatever yeah. Um, yeah he's a jerk and she didn't deserve to pretty, die pretty we can much. probably agree on that yeah I, I agree, I agree yeah so I, yeah I think she came from well obviously a privileged background and I'm, I, I've got a feeling I would assume that if she was a real person she probably would have gone to a, a really elite prep school and then onto an Ivy League college. Yeah, yep. you said that, yeah. Yeah, and then I think onto probably a, um, what are they called in America? I don't know. What, the, what are they called in America? Let us know. <laughs> Americans? American <laughs> American school. Yes. Yeah. No, no, they're, they're a certain degree. They're like a business degree. Okay. A, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with it. But I don't know. Maybe you can clarify that for us. Send yeah. us an email or leave there's us a, a message. There's an acronym for a business degree. Anyway. A lot of Ivy League people go on to do these degrees if they have successful careers yeah, in business. They do. Um, generally, executives at big companies do these these things, whatever they're called. Um, an MBA. That's what I'm thinking oh, of. MBA. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So, like a lot of people, a lot of executives and investors and people in high level positions do a degree and an honors and then an MBA. Ah, oh, that's how they M- MBA. Is an MBA. MBA yeah, 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 yeah. And that's okay. I think an MBA is basically a business course for executives. So you think Susan did the business? Definitely. course? Definitely. I mean, she. How old is she? You know, when she's first introduced, Mid-30s? what thirty? Oh, maybe early. Yeah, thirty to thirty-five. Maybe? Yeah. I I doubt she would have gotten that far that quickly, especially in a you know, pretty male-dominated world. Yeah, plus with her rich parents. Exactly. So. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure they probably would have had connections. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think I don't think she's ever experienced hardship. No, either. Not like at all. you know, she's never fallen. You know, she's never been like George. Yeah, she's never lacked know. for anything or wanted Nothing. for anything. Do you think? Do you think they? Uh, it's old money. Like I think like it's old her money. Her grandparents yeah. would have been wealthy as well. I, I'd say so. Yeah, that's sometimes the case. I think what would have happened is maybe her grandparents or her great grandparents maybe yep. set up a business yep. that became so big and then they inherited like the, their children inherited the money and yeah. then Susan's parents inherited the money then Susan and then maybe maybe hmm. the business was in entertainment or something and that's how she got a foot in being an executive at NBC. Maybe. Yeah, you know? yeah that could work. Maybe they have, you know, because obviously to be an executive of NBC, yeah. you can't just stroll in. No, unless you know, you're unless you're you know someone highly impressive and just super super good at the job. Yeah. Connections probably got there i think it did too yeah, yeah. i think so yeah and uh, you know she's got like a business background and yeah you know, she got into media yeah, yeah. something like that something i like wonder that. if it was a case of you know she had a passion for media or television and that's you know she wanted to pursue it at that level 
or if she was just happy with a high power position at any sort of company. Um, I don't you know. know. Oh, maybe she was happy with any company. Yeah. But I think in, in at the time, yeah, because television was such a huge medium in the 90s. That's true. Getting a job at NBC, a high rating you know, channel yeah. in the United States and, you know. Yeah, I guess that would be highly sought after. And I loved, I loved how in Seinfeld because Seinfeld actually NBC produced the real Seinfeld. Yeah, and then they're pitching, they're pitching like the concept of Seinfeld to yeah. the fictional NBC. I love how it's so meta. Yeah, you know, it's, it's good. It's meta. It's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Great. It's, it's fantastic how sort of self-referential it is. Yeah, The Simpsons do that a lot where they make fun of Fox. Yeah, you know, they always bag on Fox when Fox produces and airs the show. Yeah, um, but because they're so popular, they can get away with they can it. Get away with it. Yeah, yeah. And for Seinfeld, like the the Seinfeld concept in the the show is like a show within a show. Yeah, but it's exactly. the same show. Yeah, it's like it's, it's crazy. Yeah, I think I think when that first aired, it was very very sort of uh, progressive or it sure yeah, was. Yeah, like it was very forward thinking. The idea of a show about nothing in a show about nothing. Yeah. Just, it's, yeah. It, it just, and, and it's still impressive. And with great writing from Larry David and others, it just, it just worked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What, yeah. Sorry, what were you saying? Do you think a show, I, I don't think a show that was about something that had a premise, like a, an established family, like 90s sitcoms are all about wholesome families and yeah. character arcs and Even the 80s, things. like Cosby Show, yeah, Family Ties. Exactly. Sort of yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think those shows could have gotten away with it because they weren't, you know, they weren't satire or a parody of no, society in general. They were, they were, they, they were, they were filling the mold, or they were yeah, exactly. the mold for those kind of shows. Yeah, 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 yeah. So even you can go as far back as the Brady Bunch. That's true. That's the same, like 60s, 70s. Yeah. They came out. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah. and uh, we might touch on some sort of vague Brady Bunch reference towards the end of the show. Oh, we might. We might. We'll see how we go. Yeah. Now, Stephen, the sixty-four thousand dollars question that I want to put to you. Mm-hmm. Now, Susan's obviously, Heidi Swedberg, even herself, very attractive lady, mm-hmm. you know, tall, blonde, mm-hmm. you know, very nice-looking girl. Yeah, conventionally conventionally attractive. attractive. Yeah, she can get nearly every man, any man she wants. Okay, yeah. Like, she, she, you know, have the persuasion. She'd have, like, the, you know, yeah. she has the look. She's got everything, right? Yeah, the she's talent, smart. She's got, you know, she's very independent. She's got her own salary. She she's got a strong personality. Strong personality, Which yeah. might turn a lot of men away. Oh, possibly. But or a lot of people. You know, she's she's independent. Yeah, she she's got a lot own, going for her. She's got a lot going for her. Yep. Why was she, This is the question that's been pondering my mind, and I understand because of the show they wrote it like this yeah. for this reason. How is she attracted to George? Do you think because George is such a pathological liar, he'd say anything to get someone on his side? Do you think Susan's easily persuaded? Uh, yeah, I think it would either be one of two things that, or he fe- or she feels pity for him. Well, yeah, that's kind of touching on the two things uh, in oh, answer yeah. to your question. So, yep. yeah, either that superficially, yeah, she's conventionally attractive, she's got money, she works a great job, she's intelligent, all of these things that uh, you know you would say are attractive to people generally, and you know they're desirable in in partners, but internally she might just have really really low self esteem. You know, she might yeah. not realise that her standards are way higher than George. You she know, hasn't like, found happiness within. She's found happiness on the outside. Yeah, Good yeah, job, maybe. money, yeah. you know, looks, but yeah. then on the inside, yeah, she, she's empty. She might just have really low self-esteem and she thinks that George is the best that she can do when it obviously is not. Hmm. Or she... Well, actually, three answers. So pity okay. might be one. Pity might be a motivation. Yeah. Um, or that she sees George as like a... a you know, a project, a work in progress. A lot of people go into relationships wanting, even if it's not conscious, you know, they, they strive to change a person. So she wants George to be like, so she sees George as like a, 
Play-Doh. Yep, Which exactly. she can just stick her, you know, fingers in and remould to her liking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty tough with him. I don't oh, think he's not very, um, mate, re- you, receptive you need, of that. You need man hands <laughs> <laughs> to deal with that. <laughs> oh, uh, such, uh, yeah, maybe another bank reference. Maybe. <laughs> but yeah, you definitely and, um, need man hands to deal with that kind yeah, of Play-Doh. Or to, that crack clay. The, to crack the lobster that is George's Ooh. complex, pathologically lying personality. Uh, Stephen, you got something on your face. Do I? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, why are you trying to go through my wallet? <laughs> big, big hand around your wrist. Uh, the, the lobster uh, is what, what makes oh, that. That's the... Yeah, yeah. it and does. Yeah, so I reckon it would be one of those three things that she either has low self-esteem and she doesn't realise that she's punching well below her weight. Oh, extremely below, like yeah. below her toes. <laughs> <laughs> Dig 10 metres down and she's still punching lower than that. Yeah. Um, or, yeah, she, she has pity on him or she sees him as... she see, Maybe she sees some... Maybe... Okay, maybe I'm being negative. Maybe, maybe to put a positive spin on it, maybe she sees something in George and uh, he doesn't realise that he has potential and she does she does see something that no one else does maybe and she's trying to, to to coax it out of him maybe you know? to make herself feel better yeah exactly mm. i yeah I, I think it would be one of those three things because i can't think of any other reason why yeah. someone like her would go out with someone like him and not just go out but get engaged and but that's what makes it funny that's what made the susan george interplay just work yeah yeah you know? totally and the just, fact that she she was totally his different opposite in a lot of ways she was honest she was. She had integrity. She was tall. She was tall. She's beautiful. Yeah. She was. <laughs> she was attractive. Yeah. He. Yeah. Was her opposite physically and 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 as a person as well. So yeah. Those that that dynamic works definitely comedically. Um, how about you? What What do you think she she went out with someone like George? I th- I think it was a vanity project. Yep. You know, like you were saying, just to mm. make herself feel better. Maybe to say, can I shake someone who's so sick, so sick minded? <laughs> so, but at the time, because you know, George, when George coerced Susan or seduced Susan, you know, he used his words. Yep. So maybe at the time Susan didn't know he was so sick. Yeah. And then as he, you know, as they develop, she figured it out and she mm. took, I reckon by then she said, oh, wow, he's such a screw up and such a mess. I feel sorry for him. I'll just be with him to make him feel better. Yeah. I'll make myself feel better if I can help him. Which yeah. obviously you never, for the core four, Jerry, Elaine, Kramer and George, you never have the mindset to change them. No. If you try and go in there and try and change them, you'll come you're out. You're going to lose. You, you're going to come out with, I don't know, you won't be yourself ever again. No, you'll become you'll a be shell changed. of what you used to be. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You'll have nothing left. So it's better just to, it's like the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. If you're going to sail your ship through, don't go through, just go around. Yeah. Don't. If you don't want to return home, don't, don't, well, sorry, sail through the Bermuda Triangle. Um, that is the core four. Yeah, that's it. Don't don't do it. No. And so, oh, sorry, you were saying. No, no. I was going to say um, what you're saying kind of sounds like maybe her motivation changed over time. Maybe initially she was impressed by the fact that he was trying to be a writer. You know, he had some motivation. That's that's attractive. Like, you know, uh, what's the word? Not confidence, but like um, passion. You know, you're yeah, passionate drive. about something. She has drive, a, she exactly. Drive. Yeah. Well, no, no, he did. Oh, you know, he did. He, he did. Yeah. You know, he was pitching a show. That's impressive. Like, if if you said to me, "Hey, I'm, I've just got, you know, asked by a TV network to pitch a show, and I've got a meeting with them," I'd be I'd be stoked for you, mm. and that would be potentially attractive to someone. But then, you know, once she gets to know him and she realizes that he's George, yeah, you know, her intentions change to pity, and she just stayed with him. You know, it started out as Im- being impressed and attracted to just. Yeah, just pity. And and I think what happened as well, you know, when George when uh, George 
proposes to Susan, I think Susan's thinking, wow, you know, I've put my career, you know, I've put my life on hold. I wanted to sort my career out from my early 20s. I'm of the age, mid-30s, early 30s. I've yeah. got to still have a bit of time to have kids. He's the only guy who's proposing to me. Maybe this is my chance. Yeah. I, want st- I reckon Susan wanted a family. Okay. You know, she wanted kids. Yep. And she thought, you know, my biological clock is ticking. Okay. There's no other man. You know, I've been so busy with my career and I've met George, yep. you know, through NBC when he tried, you know, doing his pilot. And he's come up to me. He's had... He coerced me. It took apparently two hours of talking <laughs> to get her to say yes. <laughs> and she's thinking, yeah. She's thinking this might be... This will be my one shot because, you know, if I leave it till I'm 40, 50, I'm too old, I can't have kids. Yeah, her time's run out. Her time's run out. She had no other option. That's it. She thought, all right, I'll jump in. Uh, An engagement of last resort, perhaps. I think so. Yeah, that's a good point too. First and last resort. Yeah. Mm, I think so. But then there's also the idea of maybe we're overthinking it. Maybe she just genuinely loved him. Maybe. You know, everyone's lovable on some level, even Mm. someone like George. That's a possible option. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I would say it would be either low self-esteem or pity if I had to pick one. I think so. Yeah. I was going to ask as well about, do you think that she had many friends or do you, because I mean, you never really saw her, you know, even the other secondary characters that we've covered and, you know, major secondary characters in the series, you saw them interacting with some sort of social circle that didn't involve the core four. Her, not really. You never saw her talk about or interact with friends or Mm. family. She seemed like a very... I guess like a lone wolf in a, a way. A lone wolf. Yeah. I think because she was so career-driven most of her adult life, I don't think she had time to have friends. Okay. I think the only friends that she has or she had were probably people at her work. Maybe okay. she'd go for drinks with them or yeah. you know, or maybe their mutual friends. You know how like mm. you, you go out with people at work yep. and then you meet their friends. Yeah. And you, you might become closer friends with them, but then you mm. might just, you know, if you see them like once a month, you're like, hey, man, good to see you again. Yeah. You know, it's been a while. How yep. are you? you yep, know? yep, yep, yep. And you just you kind of know them through your workmates. I think maybe that was Susan's social circle. Okay. I don't think it went further than that. I think yeah. it's like work friends and then mutual friends, like as in her work friends' friends. Yeah. And they became acquaintances. Okay. You know, that's yeah, my that's, way of seeing it. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I mm. don't think she had a large social circle um, or even a large family circle. I mean, her, her family was seemingly quite dysfunctional yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. I don't think she had a very healthy relationship with her with her parents. And it's funny that she's the most sane one out of all of them. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that could be argued, the Whoa. fact that she got engaged to John. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she, she, becomes, she becomes the most insane. As soon as you do that, <laughs> you've gone down the ranks, baby. You've gone down the ranks. Maybe she um, maybe she got the, the, the good end of the stick by not living you know, oh. in a way. So you know, she, she it was better that she George. died than be with George. Oh, wow. Anyway, <laughs> that's a very somber note to go on our next break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk a bit more about Susan and... Uh, yeah. Yeah, see how we go. Indeed. <laughs> cool. You're listening to, but I don't want to be a secondary character. But I don't want to be a secondary character. Here we go. back on but i don't want to be a secondary character and this week is our first ever episode of what's the deal with where we focus on a secondary character which is so big that they deserve their own episode yeah and this week uh our first episode we're focusing on susan ross susan ross that's right and we spoke about a bit about heidi swigberg the actress who played susan hypothesized about susan's upbringing Mm. and why she's attracted to george yeah you know why she is the way she is yep another very interesting and i think a, a slightly underrated dynamic or um interplay for the show the relationship between kramer and susan yep you know 
It's it, it plays a major role in season four. It sure does. But uh, season seven, not so much. It's put on the back burner a bit, except, uh, except when Kramer try- forgets her name. Yeah, it's like Lily. Yeah. She goes, I'm Susan. No, you're Lily. No, no, you're Lily. I think I know my own name. You look, <laughs> well, you like, look like a Lily. Lily. Yeah, <laughs> fabulous. Kramer's the fact that he's just so matter-of-fact insistent. No, no, your name's Lily. Yeah. Just is great. It's great. It's <laughs> grass. I love it. I love it. But yeah, the Kramer and Susan interplay, you know, when Susan gets brought up by George to Jerry's apartment to meet, you know, oh, well, they already know. He, Jerry knows Susan already. Yeah. But they come up and say, hey, you know, we're going for dinner or whatever. Yeah. And then Kramer does his usual barge in. He goes, what's, what's there to eat? Grabs some off milk, drinks it. Jerry goes, what's the expiration date on that? September. And he's like, September? And then, you know, Jerry does like these Jim Carrey... Jerry Lewis like convulsions yeah physical comedy yeah physical comedy he's like uh, uh, and then you know it pans the camera pans to his perspective yeah and then as he's approaching the sink and Susan unfortunately is in his way yeah and, and then uh, she well, cops in, it in the spew's way so yeah. he refunds his lunch he sure does <laughs> to reference a previous episode uh, yeah he sure <laughs> does and also Kramer is the instigator or responsible for the burning of her father's that's right loved cabin much yep. loved cabin who he said there were a lot of adventures in that cabin and we yeah. find out later that uh her father uh, had an affair with John Cheever and yeah. had to have that fire never happened, we would never have known about the letters. That would have been taken to his grave. Yeah, yeah. it exposed a very um, salubrious part of his part of his history. And we were talking like just before, like you were saying that finding out about the Cheever letters, that was an insult to injury yeah, from the cabin. You I think mentioned so. that a bit earlier. Yeah, even though Kramer yeah. didn't intentionally, well, he didn't intentionally do anything, but it's kind of, uh, yeah, an extra layer of, of pain and suffering for Susan the fact that she found out her father had a an affair and, you know, I'm sure that would have changed their relationship. It, you know, even if she had nothing against the fact that her father had an affair, if she felt okay about that, just the fact that he covered it up for so long and, you know, there's an element of dishonesty there. Yeah. You know, that would, if, if that, if that happened with me, I'd, I'd, I'd struggle to deal with that for a long time. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it wasn't just short-term pain. It was like altering their relationship permanently. Wow. Yeah, yeah. just killed it. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, to, to top it off, he, he um, yeah, he calls her by the wrong name. <laughs> and Which is the worst thing. And even insisting that it's Lily. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's like, like, no, no, what, what, what? Yeah, that's like me saying, oh, your name's not Stephen, you're, you're John. No, you're like, Stephen. Well, you look like a John. You look like a John. Ugh. <laughs> Cheers, Doug. Yeah. Hey, I'm not a Doug. <laughs> you look like a Doug. Do no, I? No, it's Doug. <laughs> Doug. I don't look. From now on, it's Doug and John. I'd say, I'd say you look like. Um, if I had to guess a name for you, I'd probably say you're maybe Bruce. <laughs> nah. <laughs> From Family Guy. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Oh, no, no. <laughs> He's no, you, so creepy. You quagmire. Actually, I would, I would say you look like a friend. Like Francesco? Nope. Uh, I'm thinking uh, Black Books. Oh, Have I, haven't, I haven't seen Black okay. Books. Watch Black Books and there's a character named Fran and you'll understand. You look like Fran. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Fran, Dresha. No. <laughs> no. Anyway. I'm a nanny. <laughs> I'm Mr. Sheffield. Oh, oh Mr. Sheffield. Yeah, that's a 90s sitcom that we won't be doing. Yeah. No. This it's... won't be the spin-off for I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. No, I don't think so. We could call it, but I don't want to do a podcast about the nanny, yeah. and then we just don't do a podcast. Funny, funny <laughs> enough, like a reference to Seinfeld for the nanny. Yeah, I read somewhere that there was an episode where you know the guy who plays Mr. Pitt, yeah, and the guy who plays Babu was in a nanny episode. 
Oh, really? In like one episode together. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. what I just read it. I was like, Mr. Pitt and Babu were in The Nanny. Oh, it was on Twitter. Okay. Someone, it was one of the other Seinfeld podcasts. Some right. other listeners retweeted, like tweeted something to them and said, oh, do you know that Babu and Mr. Pitt were in an episode of The Nanny? Is a picture of them like in the Sheffield foyer. Right. Like just standing together. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah. 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 Normally, when you bring up those sort of things, or when you read about those sort of things, like this person was also in this other show, you have the desire to watch the show just to see. Oh yeah, what what, what character like. they play? If it involves the nanny, I, I don't. Want oh, yeah. No, I'm happy just knowing that it happened. I don't really care yeah. to see it because that means I would have to ho- watch a whole bunch of nanny just to find thirty just to seconds. Just find that of, one. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I'm 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 good with that. You don't need that. No. No. Not at all. We're too busy. <laughs> anyway, Susan Ross. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that the best, obviously, the Susan and George dynamic was, you know was the core yeah. to the story. Yep. Uh, this Kramer and Susan dynamic, I think, was very underrated. Yeah. Not much of a Jerry and Susan. No, not really. Well, I mean, they interacted, but it was just part of the plot, mm. part of the writing of the episode. There was no, uh, you know, they didn't work off that dynamic a lot. It was just functional, you know. Functional, yeah. Yeah. You know, she she would have accepted Jerry as George's, as, uh, yeah, as, as George's best friend. They had no issues. It was very neutral and kind of, just boring mm. yeah but there wasn't a lane and susan dynamic for a bit that's um, right lane and susan become friends i think for an episode or two yeah i'm pretty sure elaine has a spare ticket to an art show yeah or and then susan goes with her yeah and, then and susan becomes like the pentagon in the square like that's the, right you know, the fifth the fifth part the of the fifth pentagon. side of the the, the core yeah the core like five doesn't really um doesn't, doesn't really have the same have the same uh, ring no and then george isn't happy with it and no then she eventually leaves the, the group worlds colliding yeah that's yeah it. as we said so um uh, I don't think she has any relationships, like prominent relationships with any other no, characters. just Susan and George. Yeah. No, just George and a bit of Kramer yeah. and a bit of Elaine. If they got married, do you reckon she would have, uh, you know, if it were real and they got married, do you reckon she would have kind of kept George away from, you know, she would have realised that they're they're pretty horrible people and she would have tried to keep George away thinking that he would be better off for it. I think that's what George was worried about. Yeah. I think George was worried, like, because once you're married, that's it. But a lot of George's worries and concerns aren't based on rationale or reality. They're based on his logic. Exactly. Which is probably not anyone else's logic. But do you reckon she would have done that? Realised that... (laughs) I think she would have. I think because, you know, because we were saying a bit earlier that George was like her project. Yeah. Like clay that she puts her hands into. True. I think eventually, like, when they're married, they're like, you're my husband. Yep. I want to change you. Yep. And then George would have never been the same again. Yeah. He actually, would have been better or he could have been much worse? I think he would have been better. You think he would have been a better person? Yeah. I, I think so. I mean... I reckon he would have been, like, neutered. I reckon he would have been... He would have been a, a eunuch. No, not literally a eunuch. <laughs> nah, <laughs> no, I mean, no, a metaphorical eunuch. Metaphorical eunuch, eunuch yeah. Yep. I, think, I think Susan would have his cojones in her purse. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, <laughs> not that he's ha- in, in, in Yeah, person. not that he has any anyway. No. I mean metaphorically. Metaphorically. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's fair. I think. Yeah, but I think she would. He would have been better for it, and she would have. That would have been her justification to herself and to him. Like you're better than these people. Let's um, you know, let's not spend so much time with them. Let me give you another possible scenario. Yeah. If because George was unemployed at the time when mm. they did the wedding invitations, mm. what if George was still working for the Yankees and they went to get the wedding invitations? What if he went for the expensive ones with the non-toxic glue? Do you think mm. him being employed would have changed the whole course of the relationship? And like you said, they would eventually... He well, would have tried everything to get out, and I reckon it wouldn't have happened, and then he would have come along. Do you reckon he would have been so desperate to get out, he would just bail on the wedding? He would just get to that point and go, I, don't, I can't figure out a way to get out of this to minimise pain or like a, an excuse, and he would have just 
just stood her up at the wedding? Oh, or I do don't think he, he has the gall to do it. Yeah. Like he's a very, he's a, he's a, you know, he's a very selfish man, mm. but I don't think he has that much a gall. Okay. Because I think he still loved Susan in a way. Yeah. In his own weird way. Yeah. He loved her. Yeah. I think he realises that she is a positive influence in his life. Whether that whether that translates to love, I'm yeah, not sure. But who knows? Yeah, I I think he appreciates her on some level for sure. But what I'm thinking that his unemployment mm. cost Susan her life. I reckon if she was he was still with the Yankees, yep. they would have gone for the you know George would have probably not gone for the high most expensive ones. Maybe he would have gone for like a mid range. Yeah, but it wouldn't have that toxic glue and it wouldn't have been discontinued. That's true. <laughs> I think maybe, that, that maybe she she sort of you know because she doesn't put up any any fight to his immediate choice of the cheaper invitations. No, she just. She just oh, relates. she's a bit reluctant. She's like, mm, yeah. are you sure? But I mean, she doesn't argue her no. point of like, let's go for the nicer invitations or whatever. Because she, just... she understands he's unemployed. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, do you reckon at that time... He feels you know, em- she feels empathy for him. Not just empathy, but maybe it was a financial decision as well. Like she understands that we've got a wedding to pay for. Yeah. It's not being paid for by the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we need to save some coin. Like this is a good practical decision. Isn't that amazing? Like when you think back on this, yeah. you think, wow, what if? Yeah. What if George still had that job, that yeah. high-flying job in the Yankees? What if, what if, what if? I don't know. If, if they, if they, you know, if they kept her character, do you reckon she would have been a major secondary character in season eight and nine? Do you reckon they would have written her in as, you know, as maybe the same level as Newman, like appearing in every fourth or fifth episode? I, I think, I've, I think, the, to be honest, like despite the fact Heidi Swedberg plays Susan very well mm. and, you know, she's great. Mm. And Susan was a very good character. Mm. I, th- I don't think Seinfeld would have been the same. Okay. Susan was still in it. I yeah. think she would have been very prominent, but the problem is the show is focused on the main four. Yeah. And then Newman obviously is more prominent in eight and nine. Yeah. But you don't want it to be like the core five or six. No, no, I don't mean they would have brought her up to the same level as the core four, but do you reckon they would have kept her on in a major way for season eight and nine if I, they didn't kill her off? Or do you reckon they would have found a way to, to write her out anyway? Maybe write her out or maybe she leaves George or maybe... Yeah, I reckon she comes been, to her senses. Yeah, finally, or something <laughs> something happens. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Or, yeah, I... I don't think it would have. She would have lasted. Yeah, I think they would have somehow got rid of her. That's true. Not by death. Yeah, but by some other means. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think it was probably getting to a point on set when they were filming that they needed a way to write her out. So you know, uh, Elaine <laughs> accidentally. Or Julia, Julia. Well, yeah, yeah. Dreyfus, yeah. obviously. Um, mm. Yeah, suggests. That she dies, and and that was it. Larry David went kabang. That was it. Yep. And we'll Literally. do it at the end. Yeah. Into season seven. Yeah. And that's Susan Ross, and uh, that's the first ever. What's the deal with every fifth episode? Yeah. We'll uh, talk about one particular character and uh, their history on the show, and a bit about what we think about. Yeah. Them. So we hope you enjoyed the first episode of What's the Deal with Susan Ross. Yes. And uh, yeah, if you have any suggestions about episodes, get in touch. Yeah, you can send us an email. Yeah. Podcast at gmail.com. Yep. And uh, we have all the normal social media outlets. We've got Facebook, we've got Instagram, we've got Twitter. Yep. I believe we have Blogspot or Blogger. Yes, Blogspot, yep. yep. Bidwa Bass Podcast. Yep. And uh, yeah, you can also listen to us on iTunes. iTunes, yeah, and on YouTube. Okay. Yeah. And also on omnistudio.com. Yeah, that's um, it. Yeah. And uh, if you're so kind, if you could just leave us a review, that'd yeah. be lovely. A review and some stars. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. And uh, we hope you enjoyed that episode. And... Uh, what are we doing next week? Should we should we talk about that? Uh, well, it's going to be an episode in season eight yeah. of the show. Yeah, we realised that uh, the um, so far all of the episodes have been sort of the first half of the nine series. Yes. So we decided to intentionally do a later later episode. Yeah. Yeah. We did. So we did. It's, it's a pretty good one. So we hope you enjoy this one, and uh, we hope you have a yes. listen next week. And there's one more thing oh, okay. that we're going to do. Right. 
we'd like to uh, talk about a particular fan who wrote in. Oh, yes, of course. This is like the start of our listener mail. Yeah, so uh, a friend, uh, a friend's brother, his name's Karim. Yep, and he, he's um, from uh, Sydney, Australia. Yeah, so I've, I've known Karim for a while, and uh, he got in touch, and uh, he sent me a lovely message on Facebook. Um, I won't read it, but he basically said that he really loves the podcast and uh, that he looks forward to it every week and he watches it, it's making him watch Seinfeld more regularly which, oh, was, great. which is awesome that's, that's what we love yeah that's 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 just great thanks Couldn't so much man yeah so we really that's appreciate great. you know reaching out and uh, yeah if you have any feedback again just get in touch please anyway um, yeah so thanks again and uh, we'll catch you all next week yeah I'm Ivan I'm Stephen signing off and we'll see you next week indeed indeed <laughs>